0: Welcome to Sound & Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound & Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound & Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes some of the best art materials that you can get. You can find their products Online at goldenpaints.com or in your local art store. Sound Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum makes incredible coffee that you can have delivered to your door. Check out their website, fulcrumcoffee.com, where you can order subscription coffee services to have different blends delivered straight to your door, and you could save by entering code ALFREDSTUDIO when you check out. an artist born in New York City who lives and works between Manhattan and upstate New York. Recent solo exhibitions include Wedgwood at Pippi Holdsworth Gallery in London, Nina Johnson Gallery in Miami, Salon 94 in New York, the Belafer Art Museum in Houston, amongst others. Her work is in the collections of the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, the Ruth and Elmer Welland Museum of Art, at hamilton college in clinton new york the perez art museum in miami the francis young teaching museum and art gallery at skidmore college the saatchi gallery in london the bass museum of art in miami beach and others Her work has been covered by the new york times art newspaper t magazine the new yorker vogue w magazine and world of interiors amongst others I spoke to Francesca about working spaces, ceramics, growing up in the city, art in the family, and much more. Here's our conversation. Had you moved moved up there like a long time ago, or were you only using it as a getaway?
1: We moved. I mean, we pretty much lived there full time for six years. Oh, wow. um, But it wasn't, like, a purposeful move. Like, we didn't... We sort of subletted our studios in Brooklyn and we kept things afloat in the city. Um, Our house at the time was, like, really falling apart and it needed a lot of attention and we were just also procrastinating dealing with it because it was... The idea of, like, fixing something up in the city was really daunting and we just, like... And then also just to have built the studios and be able to, like, have a perfect place to work was just something that like that was enough for us to be happy right. um and for a long time and then um and then we had kids and we were like oh this is so much more efficient up there in that I could somehow clumsily still find ways to work because just things were more fluid yeah you know a little easier um, I imagine so they're a lot easier for the early especially like the early years yeah then i think in ways that's probably easier in the city but I, I haven't gotten there yet
0: right yeah i don't know <laughs> it's it's more exciting or not exciting it's busier in the city as you know but
1: but that sense of like but kids get independence earlier yeah i grew up in the yeah, city no, yeah and, and your... that part like feels in this country in the early years Kids have more independence up there. You have more freedom. They can go outside. They can be in nature. They can open the door themselves, you know. But then when they're older, they just have to be like chaperoned around with the driving and all of that. I just, I didn't see that in my future. I like, I like the idea of like kids. I mean, we're not anywhere near that yet, but like the idea that they'll, they have their own autonomy and can, you know, start going and seeing their friends and coming home. and Doing their thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I, you know, I often wonder about it. Are you an only child?
1: No. I have an older brother, okay. five and a half years older.
0: All right. Yeah. So you weren't the only child in the city. I'm just asking for a friend no. who happens to have, like, an only child in the city. Uh, I, growing up in the city just seems, um, you know, the stimulus, right? But then you don't know any yeah. different. But that's the thing. Did you, like, did you ride a bike? Or did you drive? No. Right? You didn't?
1: My mom, like, made me, I mean, she, from, like, a feminist perspective, it was really important to her that I got my permit when I was 16 oh, wow. and my license, but it still didn't take. <laughs> and she even gave me some old car, and, you know, she was really committed to me being that person, which I think I've become, but it took me a lot longer. I mean, I think I I truly started driving, I think, in my 30s, yeah. and now it's, like, the first time where I can be like, oh, I got to go do something upstate and i get in the car and i pretty much don't think about
0: it yeah the whole so. you know place outside the city you kind of need to drive for that <laughs> yeah Unless you got something <laughs> yeah, real yeah. close yeah. in the metro north but yeah that it's it's yeah. funny though but being in the city you don't like why would you need it you know and you so what are your earliest memories because you grew up in chelsea right yeah so this is I grew the up in taxi chelsea. cab era of like where it's just garages and stuff it wasn't
1: but I didn't grow up in that Chelsea. I grew up in the more residential Chelsea. So like
0: Little East. The taxi that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, like I'm between seventh and eighth. Got it. So mine was like always kind of like a regular neighborhood, and to be completely honest, it kinda still is. Like it's not it's one of the few areas It's not that it hasn't changed, but it's not like I don't know. It's not as it's not as strong a change as most of the neighborhoods. It sort of doesn't have that strong of Id- an identity back, didn't have a, that strong of an identity back then, and sort of doesn't now. It's a little mishmash. It's
0: a little area um, too, right? There's like those few blocks yeah. where it feels like a thing. And,
1: and we're not those. We're not the pretty blocks like, you know, between 8th and ninth. We're like between 7th and 8th, just sort of a little this, a little yeah. that. Like, you know, I don't know. You're not in the Betty um, Woodman
0: block. She lived there forever, no. right? I think she lived yeah. in Chelsea for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she did. I mean to the edge. Yeah. On seventeenth. Did you Yeah, we're a little like when Chelsea sort of almost becomes the other neighborhood, which is still kinda like Icky goes to Port Authority kind of yeah. stuff. So it's a little it's mixed, but it's I mean it's um Yeah, it's it's all I, I, I still live in the same building that I grew up in so it's I've kind of I don't know that I'm even that objective about it because I've sort of been there on right. a day-to-day basis You're just you used know? To it, right? yeah yeah I feel
0: yeah. like being now you know I bought the place I live in in Brooklyn in the early 2000s and I just I'm so used to it now I don't even I know things are changing around me and things are you know but it just you get so used to it when you spend decades in one place Yeah. So growing up, what was it like? I mean, was it.
1: I mean. Fun,
0: busy? Were you outdoors a lot? Yeah. Were you going out and playing or were you more.
1: Yeah, we had like a a little crew on the street. I wasn't like. I remember it. I wasn't. I never really fit in to anything, but. Like, I wasn't close friends with them, but there were some kids on the street that would all hang out. My brother was really. A very social kid and very aware of, I don't know, like the city in a way. And I think that my coming up was very much watching him yeah. more than like me in it. Um, Your passenger. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just like watching, uh. and he and and I think it was a really complicated time for him. Um, the city was rougher. Um, you know, he got his hat stolen all the time his bike stolen his yellow you know what is it called the tape recorder thing Um, that was a big deal at the time and he really cared I mean I don't know I do not know that kind of stuff didn't get to me as much I also don't think I was as much of a target because I wasn't like flashy and I wasn't a boy and all these things I didn't read the same way but he um, yeah he really the city was really a huge factor in his development. And at a certain point early on, he kind of chose to face the city dynamics rather than school, because it felt more important to like deal with that. So he, I remember he got like a gang together. He was like a little guy. So he got big guys and always sort of um, figured out how to navigate all of that. And uh, yeah, it was intense to watch. but like I said, I watched, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't in the fray of it as much as he was. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I got held up at gunpoint when I was 11. Yeah, nice. I got all <laughs> kinds of stuff, you know, like all kinds of stuff happened, yeah. but it just wow, that's, somehow didn't that's like... 11. That'll yeah. shake you. And I was, I stayed at home... I was. My parents are like really passionate uh, gardeners, and their like love in their life was to go upstate and work on the land. And from eleven, I think I was twelve when it happened. But from like twelve on, I would stay in the city on the weekends on my own, and um, you know we'd have friends over and whatever. And that was one of those days where we were alone on the weekends, and it was when the club started opening up on the west side. And just, like, after a night or something. Yeah, it's intense. But, yeah, yeah, so it was different, definitely a different time and a lot to navigate as a little kid. But,
0: I imagine you grew up pretty yeah. quick.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it was, like, a good fit, though. I think I was kind of, like, always felt kind of like an old kid. I never felt like a little kid, in a way. Yeah. I feel like I grew into my age just recently I feel like now it's weird like I felt like I was meant to be 40 now I'm like what is I gotta figure out a new age that I'm meant to be cause now I'm like in no man's land Do <laughs> you have nostalgia but when I you're 50
0: like, yeah 40 yeah. felt really on
1: <laughs> I felt like I was like headed to be that age for a long long time but um, yeah well what about when you but I think you did grow yeah,
0: up yeah yeah sure when, when you're young is creativity is your mom did she do ceramics
1: she did ceramics her whole life. They like, um, you know, if she had parent. if they had parents like me, they would have definitely, I think both been artists, mm-hmm. but, um, they both immigrated when they were little kids, kind of both around six. Um, and their beginnings from Europe and their beginnings, you know, were rough. Like my dad had polio as a little kid and, his father, an American bomb, bombed a building and killed his father on the way to the bakery before he was born. Jeez. And then, you know, his mom had to leave for America and leave him with nuns for six months while she found her husband. or No, her this guy that she was pregnant by, not her husband at all, just um, later became her husband. Um, yeah, so really rough beginnings. And they really... In a lot of ways, I think I grew up in an environment where they were sort of imagining imagining what Europe was because yeah. they were neither from there, you know, coming here at six, but nor did they really fit into America. You know, they didn't speak the language initially. I mean, of course, they learned really quickly, but they were kind of, like, not really from either spot, and they both, I think, made up where their what their origins were in a way. So I grew up in an environment that was, like, a kind of fiction of, like, what Europe was. Yeah. Um,
0: what, which is kind of cool. What part of Italy was he from?
1: He was from um, Gravina, a small town in the heel of the boot in Puglia.
0: So south-south.
1: Yeah, and at the time, like, super peasant situation, you know, there was an oven that was shared in town that everyone shared. It was, like, a really different, very, very different existence to what it's. Yeah. it's been, you know, what it is now. Um yeah, and then my grandmother came here, she was like, worked as a, as a woman who, I think it's called a wet nurse, where you give other babies uh-huh. milk, and, and she was a janitor, and, um, and my father wound up, you know, the first one, obviously, to go to college, I mean, she, I think, had like, maybe a fourth grade education, right. um, and then he wound up getting even a PhD and became a research scientist, so that was kind of an intense, yeah. you know... Shift from one generation. It's out, yeah, from um, the
0: beginnings to that, it's a pretty big arc.
1: Yeah. And, but he's a real oddball, like the oddest kind of scientist you'll ever meet. He, you know, always, um, like Drew, made paintings, writes poetry, like a real
0: oddball. The old Buckminster Fuller type.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love those. And my mom. Go ahead. Yeah. My mom was born in a displaced persons camp in Germany after the Mm -hmm. war. Um, but she was Russian and, and Polish, but had never been there. So that she really kind of, I think, made up from books and, and her own ideas. Um, and then, yeah, and then they both came to the Bronx and they met at City College and she always did ceramics her whole life, but also had like a full-time job and raised, you know, my brother and I. So I don't really know how she... Pulled it all off, but... Um, I was going to ask how she... Growing up, she would always did, take a class. How did she
0: get introduced to it?
1: I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I don't remember, like, the initial stuff. I mean, when she was young, she always drew and made paintings and things like that. But I don't remember. I don't know the first moment, like, she did it. I just know growing up, she always found a way to take a class or have access to some kind of studio... And the city was different back then. There was, like, classes at Cooper Union, and, like, I remember there was, like, a castle off the West Side Highway that she used to take a class in at the top that I always thought was really beautiful looking. And then she got her MFA in ceramics at City College when she was in her 50s.
0: Yeah, because ceramics is like, you know, growing up, everyone, like, draws, you know, it's easy, it's accessible. And then playing with clay, but then doing ceramics, you need facilities. Like, it's a I feel like it's a slightly different jump to really doing ceramics than, you know, yeah. know, a lot of people in school find it, you know, because you take some art classes and then you have, you know, ceramics and there's a kiln and you get seduced by it. it's It's really an amazing process, you know. so
1: And someone else kind of babysits the piece through the firing and all that yeah. stuff at school yeah yeah I was never yeah.
0: when I took ceramics I mean I went to undergrad at Penn State never really good ceramics program and I was horrible but I couldn't uh, the the glazing and the firing I just never get it I could never the science of it yeah you know? I was more of a, a cook than a baker I feel like ceramics is more mm. baking you know I
1: know I mean I never took a class um which I think helps in some way, you circumvent that whole. <laughs> I just think it's. I don't know that rules when you're trying to do like what we're all trying to do, like go somewhere that hasn't been gone to before. Yeah. I don't know how helpful rules are. You know, like, and the material itself has so many rules, like its own. It's like very. Declarative of its limits, and it's, you know, it gets pissed off if this, if that, it like tells you. So you're dealing with something that's gonna say, like, I don't wanna be a pillow. And right. if you want me to be a pillow, you're gonna have to like figure this part out. Or, you know, it's it's very, um, yeah, there's enough talk back with the material I find that like I I have found my way with those rules. That's like
0: the sh- learning on the streets way of ceramics. Totally. <laughs> It's just like you—you you yeah. learn by doing, you know.
1: Yeah, I think I definitely it feels definitely like learning on the street. But
0: you, so you grew up around the <laughs> atmosphere, which I imagine was advantageous to just see someone so close to you working so passionately and, and creatively.
1: Yeah, and also because she didn't, you know, she did the MFA, but because she didn't like do it in the world professionally it never got mucked up you know as it does so it was just truly like beautiful like someone who really loved it and was passionate about it and it was just all the best parts of it you know um yeah and then i think and they always had this idea that they would work to live so the work element of it was just meant to allow them to have the freedom to Go upstate and have their garden and build their house and eventually build a studio of her own and, and make her own work up there. But um, as the years went on, she was sort of like, you know what? It was a good plan, but you wind up you wind up putting in a lot of hours working nine to five. Right. And at a certain point, she kind of shifted and was like, you you might want to pick something that you like to do because it the hours add up, you know. Yeah,
0: the day job so. can can kill you. It can rob you of that energy if it's not yeah. the right situation i mean some people sort of uh that framework of having that gig that just pays the bills takes the, alleviates the pressure of like oh i've got yeah. my work's gotta sell and i've got it you know and all that totally ra- i love that race theory of the, you know yeah. it takes that away but then it can drain you yeah of if the job is rough you know
1: i mean just jobs they need to come in different Forms. I think it's starting to happen. I mean, what am I now? It's not my field of expertise, right. but like it sounds like things are shifting in terms of their just their their body and time right. constraints. You know, it should be like work based yeah. and and like did you get it done based? Not like your body has to exist here in this. You know, for all these hours on hand. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: well, you went to LaGuardia, didn't you? Yeah. So How was LaGuardia when you? Yeah when you were there
1: I mean it's alright It's it wasn't like an amazing school but I don't know <laughs> ringing, my brother went there you're be- ringing endorsement <laughs> from I, it's alright <laughs> I know no but now you have to check in now these places get great and they get whatever yeah. and I just um, I don't know two things. I guess my brother went there before me so that was and he dropped out in 10th grade so that was kind of intense yeah. it's a big school and um Depending on who you are, you can get lost. Um, I remember years later, like after he'd been out of school for so many years, and they'd be like, your child has missed one or two, you know, like it's like one or two classes. Come on, this is like long yeah. gone. Um, and then um, at the time, I was like pretty, a pretty academic kid, but I didn't get into Stuyvesant, which like was like a big deal yeah. at the time and I look back at that moment and I think like my god what if I did get into Stuyvesant like oh what like would I have found my way you know you never be careful what you wish I for know, right um, but the,
0: the standard everyone else puts up there
1: I know you gotta kinda live life like half like super on purpose and then half like let in the, the flow of what the weirdness that yeah. happens because half of that is just as right as your intended decisions you know right. um But yeah, I went there and I kind of figured out like I did like this kind of AP and honors classes thing and I got it. It was like I got it to be a good education, Um, but it was just is weird, like going to art school later and meeting kids that had gone to specialized art high schools throughout the country. They knew so much more about like contemporary art than I did going to an arts high school in New York. I mean, all we did was go to the Met in the Greek wing. They didn't take us to any galleries. They didn't, like, it was just crazy. It was, like, such a such a missed opportunity for, like, what we could have been exposed to, I felt like. Yeah, um, well... And that just takes one teacher coming in and changing that, you know, so that's probably happened.
0: Yeah, but that's... I mean, yeah. you were growing up in Manhattan as a New Yorker. The The idea that even you would get any art education in high school i mean i had a great art teacher yeah. one year and she showed us the video of pollock and that like blew my mind that was that <laughs> yeah. was literally it i mean there was no contemporary there's nothing we were just painting on paper but it was great you know but yeah. in the city it's so amazing because i mean going to the met you know we
1: no and the greek wing is incredible well a little don't bit don't get me wrong you can Seems go there, like there every year off it's on fun, you a little but... bit yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's all I saw growing up. So yeah, no, it's true. Yeah,
0: but so you did study and then in the art, end, though. It was like your, you know, yeah. how it focuses. You weren't like drama.
1: Yeah. No,
0: I was gonna say. No, imagine like if you're a no. quiet art student, the drama and music people could kind of, you know, overshadow or swallow up the rest of the bandwidth for other people there. Yeah.
1: No, I definitely did art, and yeah, and then. I was going to go to like academic schools for college, so I applied to like all academic schools and at the last minute applied to Cooper. And then we went around and looked at everything, you know, we did like some college tour and I just had like an allergic reaction to every single place, I just couldn't, like the khakis and the backpacks and everybody walking by themselves, like I just didn't understand, I couldn't see myself anywhere. And my, my remember my dad like loved every single place. Oh, he was yeah. like, this one's it, this one's it. And I was like, oh. Did they feel and like the you end... should
0: get out of the city? Like go to like somewhere outside?
1: Um, Probably not. I mean, they're not. Um, my mom. I mean, my mom would have been up for any of it. My dad would have probably wanted me close. But then he loved every school, so he would have been like, absolutely go to wherever. We were looking at University of Chicago and... I got in there like early or something and University of Pennsylvania and like different schools. Um, And then Wesleyan and Columbia. And then at the last minute, my parents were always like very academically inclined and like very about reading and all that kind of stuff. And then my mom was like, just so you know, there's like nothing at the end of academia just kind of like eats its own tail. (laughs) Like you become, like you go back into it if you don't like, and she's like, you know, you're going to have to jump sometime. Like maybe you want to jump now, like before you even do it, I guess. And, and then I went to Cooper and saw people working in the shop and it was like, just so much more intimidating and like intense and like, just like exciting, you know? And I was like, yeah, I think I want to go there. And then I got there and met a bunch of kids that like knew so much about contemporary art and I didn't know anything. (laughs) And they were like, I was like doing AP physics a week before for, for, SAT twos that didn't even I didn't even need them for this for yeah it was all for nothing in that way and I was like yeah I had to like I just did a crash course I was like give me a couple months right give me some of these magazines and I kind of caught up
0: but you I would imagine all that I mean between LaGuardia being in somewhere like an arts school and then also the academic side it sounds pretty well-rounded
1: yeah, it was in the end. I mean, you kind of have to like, just, I don't know how old your kid is, but it, it you have to do it yourself is the only difference. Like, it's like, you have to be a motivated kid that's choosing those classes, that's like showing up. It's not an environment that like necessarily, you know, helps support it. You have yeah. to be kind of driven for yeah. it. And there was 30 kids that were like that. And that's all you need for, you know, your own sort of inner dialogue. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it can be a good school for a lot of kids. But like I said, a lot of kids just get lost in it, too. Yeah. So it sort of depends. Yeah,
0: I had that kind of experience in undergrad when I got to... Um, I started taking art classes. I was, like, into it. And, uh, you know, I would go to the BFA studios up there and, like, walk by. And, like, everyone was in there working, like, even at night.
1: Yeah. And
0: I was like, wow, like, people are really doing this that was exciting you know but then it also taught me like you're gonna have to work hard at this it's not gonna be you know it's not like you just come once in a while whatever you you really have to put the work in but that was exciting that's a good thing
1: to see to yeah
0: but I imagine Cooper was like that too because it's just you know an intense environment yeah so when you first started making art I mean outside of like what you were doing you know, in high school or just drawing or whatever, where did you gravitate and how do you think you gravitated to where you went?
1: Well, I made paintings and Cooper. Um, it wasn't a time that it was easy to do that. I was, um, you know, there's always like a generational flow that happens in schools. And so we were taught by people who were coming out of, um, institutional critique and identity politics and painting was like really considered highly conservative. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the time, like trying to make these points of like, you know, if we were to do exactly what you were prescribing or what you have set forth, like we would be, not only would we be like, you know, sort of not original, we'd also, that's conservative because this is our education. And if we were repeat, and it never went over well, they'd be like, mm, <laughs> no, but and as a result like the paintings had to stand up like here you are as a kid just trying to make a figure out what a good painting is to you but truly each painting and a critique had more to stand up for its why a painting should be made which is a huge like call for like an early painting i mean like how on earth could that painting justify all of that you Mm -hmm. know And as a result, and I was, like, stubborn and, like, strong and learned how to, like, Cooper was such a good training for, like, getting knocked down and getting back up, which is, like, a good thing to suss out, like, whether or not you have those ingredients. Because if you don't have those ingredients, like, it's not really great. This is not a great route for you. Um, And I definitely had those ingredients. Like, if you pop me down, I was going to pop back up. But as a result, I think also I was kind of like making work that had a defensiveness in it that I think is, you know, problematic, but made sense given the situation, you know, and the defensiveness that I came up with at the time was sort of like skill. It didn't, you know, necessarily go over that well, but that was, I mean, it did, I mean, it went over well, but I mean, I didn't like prove to them that paintings were great, you know, which... Sure. I had, I had um, a similar
0: thing too I think I, I I think I was in school started a little before you but it was very not painting friendly and I do remember yeah. in graduate school a lot of like why which is funny because you're in a painting program and you know you would think that the support would be just inherently but no it's like why are you doing this no and it wasn't easy but I think it was a good challenge but I my
1: totally and why are you doing this is a great. Exercise. It's just they took it so seriously that, like, it wasn't just, like, why are you? It was, like, why are you doing that? Like, this, you know, that's something I think every student should be asked. But it just put a lot of pressure on these poor paintings to, like, you know, defend themselves, like, which is a lot. But then um, I went to grad school right after, and it was, like, so the opposite, which was, um, it was just a really good compliment. I think. Right. Um, Yeah. I went to Columbia right after and Cooper really had like a kind of an ethos at the time, which I I think it probably still carries. I'm sure it's shifted here and there, but there really is a kind of um, ethos to it. And then Columbia at the time, um, John Kessler was chair and there was no, he brought in really great artists and that was kind of it. And no one agreed and no one (laughs) saw things the same way and no one thought about art the same way. So you'd have like, you know, four people in your studio for like Monday crits and they would all say different stuff. And so at the end of the night, you'd be like,
0: Confused. what the hell, yeah. you know,
1: you'd, you'd have yeah. to think about what you thought. Like, it wasn't about what they thought. At a certain point, you're getting like sort of different mirrors from them and then you're getting their opinions. But at the end, because there wasn't a unifying, you know, consensus that you either had to rebel against, which I probably would have done, or like f- sink in with. You had to actually ask yourself the things that mattered to you, which was like, I don't know if that kind of freedom would have been good the whole way through, but after Cooper, it was just like perfect, yeah. you know? And it allowed for like just a loosening up and a trusting of oneself and not having to zip everything up for for a fight, right. you know? Because if every single work has to go fight, it's just, it's too tight.
0: Yeah, was there a little bit of luck in that? Because you probably didn't go to Columbia because you anticipated it would be a good, balanced change, right? That was a little luck.
1: No, I just saw some work. I mean, you know how it is. It's all random. Like uh, Cooper also wasn't really into grad school or galleries and all that sort of stuff, so it wasn't something that was like, you should do this. But one teacher came in, um, David True, and he said, you should apply to grad school. And then some kids that I thought were interesting, you know, they said they were applying and then they wound up never applying, but truly they're the reason why I right. applied. You know, like I I never really think too far ahead in terms of like where are you headed or ambitions, but I look to the right and to the left and I say I'm like, okay, if that one's doing that, like I feel like I could. Yeah. And then um yeah.
0: Yeah, so it was kind of an inadvertent yeah. plural pluralism, right? Because it was like all these voices Mm -hmm. saying do this do that and then at the end of the day it's kind of what happens when you get out of school the voices fall away and you're just left with okay what am i what do i want to do and you know the that sort of self-critique of like pushing yourself or feeling like i want to make something that means something but also means something to myself so but that all that rigor of you know the work and all those voices and the critique are kind of like live within you in a way you're able to
1: to mute it when needed but
0: it's there to remind you which i think is for me was the value of going to school that long because you know nowadays there's a a lot of people say because and rightfully so it's a ton of money it's like do you need that extra two years to go broke and go into severe debt or whatever but that's one of the things that really you know stays with you and is useful i think
1: yeah, and there's too much at the time, but you do kind of hold it, and then the years after it kind of comes out like just as voices yeah. in your head that you, you do carry with you. That sounds
0: creepy, right? It's
1: like <laughs> it's true. Yeah, we got a lot of like all, those, is a little all
0: those critiques, <laughs> those voices of like, yeah, what does this mean? Is it good enough? But yeah, at the end of the day, it's I like the eating the tail thing. It's like you get out and it gets really quiet, you know. And I tell students because I yeah. teach, I tell students a lot that you know this is all take this stuff in because when you get out it's kind of crickets you know it's just you and your thoughts
1: we got studios together with people which was really I totally recommend that for especially when you get oh, out oh yeah
0: the group sort of Yeah, it, it
1: helps the quiet uh, yeah it's like it's different it's not like you're you know you're doing those like kind of daily intimate critiques that are like a nod or like a sentence it's not like some deep thing but it's it's company for sure um, and it was really good. yeah I
0: think that is important that because for a while I had a studio at home and it was it get, it got really quiet
1: <laughs> yeah
0: but then moving out when i had a kid no, I moved into a studio space and having that community of people even if you weren't like talking every day about work it was just passing yeah, I know the it's not like the and same and but seeing that yeah. energy is kind of you know it's fuel it makes you feel like that's the, I feel that way about the city too I don't know for you, it's probably different because you grew up here. But I'm here. I'm not out all the time going to shows or going to studios. I rarely have studio visits. I, I just don't have a lot of people in my studio. But I'm around a ton yeah. of studios, and I just feel like being around it gives me this feeling of like, yeah, I'm doing it too, you know?
1: I was gone a little too long, which is I never thought it would happen. But the in the six years, I just like, I don't know. I've, I changed my constitution and coming back to the city has been really like harsh in a way that's just completely shocked me. And I'm only now like kind of getting comfortable in the rhythm of it, yeah. but I'm really like for that reason, I'm really proud that we did it. Cause it was like, it's hard to go. We we've been doing things a little bit against the grain, like at the opposite time when everybody wants to go up, we come down and when we go up, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think it's, um, it's what I I want—a life that is a little, um, that isn't comfortable and and is a little, you know, and I'll and I'm getting more comfortable with yeah. it too. But uh,
0: keeps yeah. you on your toes a bit.
1: Yeah, um, and that 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 human connection of like the pulse of all of that is so unique to this place that it's just, I mean, I, like even. I have kids, so I'm doing this kind of... Whatever, like, walk them to school every morning, and there's, like... I have a relationship with, like... Ten human beings, you know? Odd ones yeah. that's, like, human. Like, there's a homeless guy in the corner, and we have a relationship every morning, and there's a construction workers over there, and I know them, and, they, you know, it's, like, this whole sort of weird, very, like, hivey um way to interact with humanity, but there's something so... Um, like meaningful about it right. and and you don't have that anywhere anywhere else i mean maybe like i don't know paris or something like that maybe other these other cities but it's very rare yeah it's
0: unique it makes me feel like when i'm commuting with my son if i take him to school like ants and thermo like you know that kind of path and there's like the three variations like am i going to take the bqe totally. or the cuzco <laughs> and you yeah. get but it's it's thing you know it becomes a ritual I don't know as artists I feel like we like that you know that pattern of, of going to work or going to do something uh, I think a lot of artists feel a certain comfort in a rhythm of you know yeah. of doing that, like just the studio there's a rhythm to that too and uh, I'm interested in you know the work that you're doing in the city and then when you you know have your working studio upstate as I do feel like space, it doesn't define what you do. It doesn't define what you do in the studio, but it does have an effect on, you know, your work. So how did you navigate that? Because, so you were doing paintings at Columbia, right? Had you started venturing into ceramics or sculpture or installation?
1: No, I never took even like a sculpture class all through school. Yeah. So I was, it was later. It was like, and then I came out and I showed paintings, probably um, first time I started making sculpture was 2010 so for yeah and then i the first show was 2012 so for yeah for a bit it was just paintings and then i don't know there's this kind of time when you in the beginning where you're just like hoping that maybe you can do this thing that you don't know that you could do like be an artist and then it turned a point where i was kind of like maybe i get to be that thing like you know not in the you know, it's nothing's ever perfect, but you're kind of like, oh, like I think, and then I was like, well, wait, if I can be that thing, like I want to like mess around, like really do it. Um, also, at the time, I was like trying to have a kid, and it just wasn't working for like a long time, like three and a half years or so. So it was yeah. a, it was a really like, like for me, a very for anyone I would imagine that really wanted to have it, it's a hard thing to go through, yeah. really frustrating and I also had a lot of like instinct um had a lot of like biological like strength and um that I kind of felt like I was meant to be putting towards this kid project that wasn't happening and in a way it was like that's when I learned how to drive that's when I like you know just learned all of this stuff that I knew nothing about um yeah it was all of that
0: time so it kind of you think it seeped into the way you were working?
1: I think it gave me like um, just like momentum and bravery to like face hard stuff. So I was there was a project I wanted to do for like a group show uh, where the work was being produced in, at uh, Ceramico Suro, and they asked for proposals from a lot of artists. It was a show at Casey Kaplan. And I made a proposal and they were like, it's too complicated and we can't do it. And it was, you know, combining all of these historical pots from different cultures and sort of cutting them up and splicing them together. And they were like, you know, that's cool, but we can't do that. And then I was, you know, I was kind of like bummed that I wasn't able to do it. And my father-in-law um, is also a ceramic artist, like uh, professionally and uh, taught also for years at ASU, Kurt Weiser. And he was like, oh, it's easy. Just come out to my studio and I'll teach you how to do it. And it was such a casual sentence, but, like, the fact... I mean, it's certainly not easy, but the fact that he said it like that, I was like, okay, I'll come. And I wound up maybe making six trips on my own, meaning without Garth, um, and stayed with my in-laws and worked in his studio. And, like, it was, like, a very intense even all of that even traveling on my own staying with my in-laws who I'd known already at that point for many years but like you know not in that right. way not by myself yeah, yeah. and but all of that was the, what I meant by the kind of bravery and just I was just acted different at the time like I was I could I could have done anything yeah. you know because I had this weird energy that was sort of pent up and Garth's dad is this um kind of like a man of few words a um, little bit cowboy like and we would have never known had we not had these experiences together. Like I would stay up in his studio and he had a great library and I would look up images and be like, how, how did you make this pot? Not, not him, but how did one make this pot years ago? And he would just sort of break down like exactly how it was in three sentences. And then we would stay up really late and we listened to music, all these things. And we realized we were so similar and we, you would never have thought that we were that related. So forever, like... You know, made that connection, which is um, so sweet. And then, truly, he gave me, like, a crash course in ceramics. Like, just a very efficient. You know, maybe I went out there for six trips, made my first show out there. Um, Yeah. And at the end, it got a little dicey. I remember he, like, he was like, you know, we're done. Like, you made all this work. And I was like, no, I got to make, like, a really big thing. Because, like, this is just this is just still like goes on a pedestal and it's not, it's not like shifting it enough. It's not changing the way we meet it. And he was like, no, 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 we're done. And I was like, "Nah, <laughs> like, just yeah, got to You it's, know, it's time. He it's was like, and I remember he was like, okay, well, if you want to keep doing this, like he set me up at, it was like winter break at ASU and it was all abandoned except for like janitors. So it was kind of like really depressing And then at some point I made this huge piece and I had to work right on the kiln outside. And obviously it's warm in Arizona, but it gets freezing at night somehow. And I remember it was just, I just got like intense. And I remember he was done, but he came and he brought me like, he had like some kind of silk pajamas or something like, you know, like what a cowboy would wear for warmth and a hat. And he like gave it to me because he knew how freezing it was. And then in the end, I left the piece on the kiln, and I was like, you know, and it could only be fired once, this big piece, because of timing and all these things, so I was sort of having to fake all these techniques, so it was a lot to pull off, and I was like, well, if it worked, and he was going to babysit the firing, and I was like, well, good luck, no big deal, if the firing goes well, then I'll do this, and if it doesn't, then I'll just never do this again, it's no big deal, like I'm, you know, if it was meant to be, it'll work, and if something horrible happened like I would never work with it again right. and he was like yeah that's like no pressure <laughs> and somehow the piece like totally worked out so I was like okay I guess I'm gonna keep doing this
0: that's really nice uh, most most couples drop the kids off with the in-laws to babysit you, <laughs> you're dropping yeah off I like dropped all my the giant
1: scary <laughs> pots Yeah,
0: but yeah a lot of ceramics in the families yeah. which is kind of cool it's in a nice resource yeah. to have, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, if you're lucky, you get to build on, like, if you're lucky and you are connected to your family in that kind of way, I definitely feel like I built on, like, what, you know, came before me. Yeah. Um, and kind of continued a kind of thought process to some extent. I don't know how if they feel that. Right.
0: But. Well, the the earlier paintings that you were doing with the sort of arc fracturing of like architectural spaces and stuff, how did the transition into three dimensions, like what was the dialogue of the transition of your work <coughs> that moved between the two, you know? I mean, because there's, a, mean, there's a similar energy and it, there's there's sort of lines that I could draw between, but uh, you, you'll probably be able to explain that better than me.
1: Yeah, Um I mean, in the early paintings I was making, like, after grad school, I was thinking a lot about how to shift. I mean, I was thinking about femininity and trying to, like, use modes that we connect to it. So I was looking at, like, sewing and the structure of, like, things that go up and down and quilting, like, the the geometry of it. And I was trying to make these kind of large abstract paintings that kind of used elements of reality, but dissolved into abstraction through these kind of modes of craft. So I was thinking a lot about craft at the time um, and also trying to like make it, instead of them being little, like the paintings were always really big and like wanting them to feel really kind of tough in a way, but then having this relationship to craft. um, And I think that that's still like my, biggest motivation is to try to like you know take these modes of craft that we're used to seeing in certain ways and pervert them and make them you know louder bigger stronger um yeah i also was always really interested in like paint technique skinny paint uh thin paint washes thick paint palette knife stuff stuff that was really detailed stuff that was really crudely painted um and I think a lot about that in sculptural work, too. Like, the way things are made is something I've always spent a lot of time with. In, in how to build your content. It's as much about, like, the stuff that you're pulling from or the images that are coming together, but it's as much about the touch and, like, the how. Yeah. Like um, So, like, the juxtapositions would, you know, be about taste or class but then they'd also just be about like washiness and detail or something right. or pores and detail
0: yeah and there i would one word that just jumps into my head when looking at your work and and your your home <laughs> is maximalism like there seems to be a lot going on like you're not afraid to layer and but it's not. Do you don't have those sort of like horror evacuate sensibility? Do you? Do you feel like you need to cover everything and just more, more, more? Or and and I guess the second question to that is like, what do you? What are your feelings about Agnes Martin?
1: Oh well, I mean, I think she's great. Um, I think we're probably pretty different in a lot right. of ways, but there's a lot of like. Um, I don't know. I think I'm starting to control it in certain terms. Like even the way that the house is done, it's actually treated in a really modern way in the sense that things are all wrapped and there's not a lot of shift in material. Like the decoration is really maximalist and it's so much, but there's a kind of like, there's a quiet that comes through the consistency yeah. of it. Um, so I think, I think about ways of kind of getting away with maximalism um I also really think about it there's a kind of like I don't know empowerment but there's a kind of like squirreliness in in like not having patterns stay where they're supposed to so there's like a kind of like a discomfort or kind of viralness when things are the way that things feel like they're taking over. So I like it in that way, instead of just de- instead of just adding in a kind of decorating way, I see it more as like a, like it's slipping onto and like taking over kind of yeah. way. Um, it's a little bit different, but I mean, it comes from decorating stuff. Everything is starts from there.
0: Right. And yeah, it seems uh, tied into, like we were talking about earlier, to a lot of the things that maybe you were witnessing or looking at when you were younger. But there is a bit of, it feels like a mining of, you know, different kind of influence as far as like eras and styles of, or even if you just take the microcosm of ceramics, which has a long, you know, a very um, rich history of of iconography dealing with different cultures and different places and scales. I imagine you're drawing on all that, maybe not explicitly, but just maybe letting it wash over I mean, the pretty world.
1: explicit. It's pretty explicit, too. I mean, some of them are like, you know... I mean, all of them, I look at images for everything, so they're copies to some level of accuracy or yeah. not. I mean, that was another reason that I loved it so much. I mean, painting had this vast history... And then bumping into ceramics at the time, I was I felt really alone with it too because it came from my family. It was 2010. It was before my gallery started working with Betty Woodman. It was like just before all of it kind of happened. So there was when I made that first show, I felt really alone with it, and then it the timing was kind of interesting because every you know so many people were um, similarly alone with it and, and, and becoming attuned to it in a different way, which was really, you know, fortuitous. Um, but, uh, I loved the vast history that it had. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I was so drawn to it. And I also loved that it was a history of copying and a history of this kind of grafting one culture onto the next, like even in, as it porcelain sort of moved forward. Um, I also loved how, it really is like revered and and so tacky at the same time. Like the the distinction between the two is like so little, yeah. you know. That it would be like in a Goodwill or at, in like a Christie's catalog. Right. It's like it's. Um, yeah. yeah, I used
0: to find Wedgwood in, in thrift stores when I, and on tour with my yeah. band, going across the country. You go to a thrift store. This is back before the internet. You know, you could find Wedgwood or you could find. You know franciscan ware or you could find you know jadeite or like these different you know it's yeah. but they're very valuable now or sought after but you know they were just remnants of places and families and you know the history of the country in a way but that's like a greater mm-hmm. i would imagine i mean have you traveled well obviously you've traveled but have you traveled to different places and sort of investigated some of the ceramics of those areas
1: not so much i mean much of it is really from like you know images yeah again like kind of invented and sometimes you see things in real life and i had no idea how tiny the mice and flowers really were like i was like my god like i thought i made you know it's like you make up scale you make up and to some extent like i learned a lot of like accurate stuff from kurt but like you know much of it I've made up you know I learned how to china paint but I decided you know not for me so I do I do like my own versions to get the results that I need um, and yeah part of that invention I think is helpful but I would love to go and travel it's it's not been those years for me to be honest it was like building years and it was family years yeah. and you know but yeah it'll all come and i am you know yeah
0: yeah that's it's a sp- specific kind of yeah. time needed for that when things get busy
1: <laughs> yeah and like work like what we do is so it's so hard you know there's been like uh, like family really pulls that into focus like I didn't realize how hard our jobs were or how demanding they were Yeah. and until you sort of have this thing that's trying to like you know compete with it or take you away from it and so, yeah, travel, I that was the one, my edit from this year was, like, what went wrong was, like, we're not allowed to take trips, like, vacations. Right. That was, like, my takeaway. I was, like, sorry, guys, like, I can't, like, you know, do the shows I need to do and work in the way that I need to work if we go on vacation over the summer. So, we don't do that. We're not going to do that yeah. next summer, you know? But so, I don't know. So, I guess I won't be, but it'll it'll come. There's different times, in
0: life well I think once we become parents we think about that time when they're eventually going to go to college and you're like oh okay then we'll just start doing our <laughs> thing again <laughs> you know yeah if, if yeah. not to escape the void of not having a child around all the time anymore you know but just totally that you know
1: I don't know if my kids are going to college though they're gonna It's got to be some big reckoning
0: curious because I think you might have an interest but what about fashion how does that play into things Because you've done some collaborations and stuff, right? Are you into it?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was really... It was really fun, again, also just, like, to have... I mean, I have this, like, interest in wrapping things and things jumping from, like, one form to another and having it on a body was... In that context was pretty cool. Um, I really like it. I've always... I mean, fashion as a world its not my world, you know? Like, I mean, I don't know that I... I don't. Again, I just the fitting in thing. I don't really feel like I fit in, but the art world is definitely, you know, our world. I just not that I feel so fit in anywhere. But um, but I've always loved clothes. But from a more from a more like a Salvation Army kind of um, just your own your own kind of yeah, thing, doing your own thing. Um, instead of like yeah. There, but I, I mean, I are love there it. any
0: designers though that you do you know that you kind of dig their aesthetic?
1: I mean, so many, so many people i love. Them. There's a lot of like young designers that I think are really exciting. Um, like just recently, I met Bacheva last week and there's a young designer upstate, Samantha Pleat, that's doing a lot of like full coverage uh, stuff that I think is really great. Um, fancy pants designers. I mean, there's like obviously Luwewe is doing a lot of exciting things in like recent moments. Mm-hmm but i also love like classic dolce gabbana, yeah. you know. I love a lot of yeah. stuff, like different things, but i i think the way that i love to access fashion is more from i mean i still am like 100% like a salvation army person for like all the clothes, yeah. not the shoes, but and i love i think it's a really it was always like a really healthy practice of like Again, being really focused and knowing what you want, and then also being able to let in like the strangeness that comes your way, which I think is like how I want to work, you know, where you're both very much in control, but then also like able to look and be like, this isn't how I was rooting it, but I see this and I let it in and I'm gonna like go this way because now this other thing is happening. Like, you have to kind of, um, Yeah, it's a kind of a a hard balance because you have to be like a couple different people at once, you know, like it's a little schizophrenic. But like, um, yeah, but I think that something about like that hunt in a thrift store where you're like hit with also all of these clashing patterns, you know, it's so not curated. And if it is curated, it's like rainbow curated, which actually hate makes it really hard to see stuff. But I love the like the really not curated like one thing hitting another thing and it almost really makes you it actually pops out, you know, when there's something good. Also, everything always being about touch like you you meet the fabric first, then you meet the form and then you meet the brand. You know, it's actually totally opposite. My mom was never like a brand person, but she was a, a fabric person and a quality person. And I remember like. Yeah, like weird stuff. Like you'd be looking at the sheets and there'd be some weird pattern on it. And one time I remember Garth and I were looking at it and it was like Dior, 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 Dior. You know, like she would never know that they're Christian Dior sheets. But, and we had like an Hermes towel that we loved that, you know, she just got there. Um, Yeah. And also something about the like, like wealth being taken down a notch. Like there's something that I haven't really fully worked it out but there's always been some sort of like affluence in the work but that's like broken or crumbling or falling down or or at least put put into question somehow by the thing next to it and the fanciness that you find at the Salvation Army like is does that it to the best degree yeah you you
0: can and you can find maybe not as much these days but you can find that designer like something fancy and then can. you know something really bare bones and they they're like almost perfect together. And that leads me to, you know, music. Is it are, are you into music? Was it always around as a kid and stuff? What's your relationship?
1: Yeah, I am I love music. I'm not um I was never someone that was like really organized about it. I don't have like um it's so not trivia, like it's not trivial, it's like really important, but there's something about it that has a trivia mind, like holding all the, the names and it's, that's not how my brain works, but, um, but I really love music. Growing up, I mean, we, they always played music. My dad played the piano, but like weird stuff. Like we didn't have, we would find like a couple really good albums. We had this weird creepy closet that had the music in it. So you would go in and play the records, which was kind of cool and our favorite ones were like the Ghostbusters record and the Fleetwood Mac record and like Bob Marley yeah. the rest of it was like Barbara Streisand <laughs> and, like Bette Midler it wasn't really that right. good oh and Dylan Dill- Bob Dylan things sure. like that like folk music yeah. my parents loved um, and then I mean really and then growing up it was like hip hop like New York City um, stuff and like oddly a little New York City kids are kind of a mess I mean they're all different but I got into like you know, went to like a lot of Megadeth and Pantera shows in, in the middle of all that. So that's odd. Um, yeah, does it? Yeah, I went to a lot of concerts, really. That's uh, a lot
0: of... A lot of stuff. Well, you're, that's the thing no the city, though, is you're subjected to everything. You know, like you have access. Yeah. And you'll meet people. I mean, I guess in my high school, small high school in Pittsburgh, you know, there was the rap people. And then there were the punk people. Yeah. New Wave or whatever. And those were kind of like the musical spectrums, you know, but... You know, yeah. in the city it's it's every, I mean you could bump into a kid who's really into reggae and then someone else is into like industrial and the other people are EDM and then punk and then hardcore I mean there's just, just everything is like you
1: know accessible. I was always like myself and then I would kind of like go to all these different things so I never like necessarily dress the part or fit into it in all the terms but I like got into all of it or, or maybe I didn't even maybe I just sort of Visited all of it, but yeah, and then even like club stuff, a little bit of that, which was you know, different jungle kind of thing, yeah. and yeah, all that. And then, and then in college, um, I met Garth. Garth has really good taste in music, so that's been a, a ride. Is his music, but, um,
0: Montana tinged? Is it
1: <laughs> no. no, but his dad, I have his dad's like playlist, which is it's not, they're not Montana tinged either, but they're like a little I don't know I mean Garth's maybe a little but his is super super varied and he knows all the names of all the things and you know all of that Um, um, but so we have like you know music is a huge part of our life but I just it's not the part that I manage Um, but but what
0: about when you're working is it silent do you have music on
1: Mm, no it's not silent it's um, I mean I guess like everybody I listen to podcasts now a lot and then if i'm like cleaning up or doing something like physical in any way i'll listen to music and i like music with a lot of variety in it so like a song i remember an album i listened to a lot when i was in school was like that ween album or all the name of it but like where all the songs made no sense next to the other one i know i haven't listened to this album in forever but I remember I loved how crazy it was. I was like, how could you make that song and then make that song like you're nuts, but it kept, it's so fresh. Like you could listen to it over and over again because you couldn't really make sense of it. And I love like songs that do that too. Like, um, what am I thinking of? There's like an LCD sound system, sound system song. That's like really quiet and like so quiet that you kind of have to adjust it. Cause you're like, what's wrong? Like, is my thing yeah. wrong? and then it gets so loud and it's so crazy goes um, out the speakers <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah like kind of fucks did you go you, see their
0: their residency their end of the
1: no I would have loved it there's so many I know I'm seeing all this and I'm like yeah I know, I I'm not I'm not going out in that way I'm not um, I just sort of civilized my daughter so I feel like this year is going to be really different no more bedtime bullshit yeah. so I feel <laughs> like maybe yeah, I could get I don't right. know I could do things again, maybe. I'm not totally there yet. It's a great, great,
0: great name for it. I hadn't thought of that, but I should have been using that all along.
1: Oh God! I came back from my show in London, and I was like, I guess I have no excuse. Like this has got to change, yeah. you know? Like I, I don't have something pressing me tomorrow, so let's let's face it. So I did it, and it was so easy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like you just have to do it, right, right. like. They just have to know you're done, yeah. you know?
0: I know, but it's a liberating it's a it's a it's a big change, a big shift. You yeah. Know, you get used to that, yeah, that routine and then those things change. And then something else pops up. Um,
1: and then the other music I love, I love all the ladies like Tina Turner and Mary Ann Faithful and Sade and uh, Hugh Lazarus and I don't know, Whitney Houston. Yeah, like all the ladies. So my mm-mm. no, Diana Ross. No, but maybe, maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> not on my. It's not on my. <laughs> Listen <laughs> mix, to my piano. It's a
0: good track. It's good I'll stuff. Check it out. Um, and then uh, for for your work now, are you balanced? So you you're working mostly upstate?
1: So I have like a little studio in my house here, and I thought maybe I could. I want, there's like paintings I want to make again at some point but I it's not the right time for me like I need to carve out like a quiet time yeah. in life at some point so anyway, uh, point being I need to put a kiln in here and I just got my contractor back on the hook which took a, it's really hard to get them to call you back when they're done with you um, so I finally made contact yesterday so I'm gonna order the kiln like this week and then once that in, once that's in place it'll change how it is. Um, I looked at studios in the city I'm just not ready to I, I don't know I can't make sense of it we were gone we had our studio in Dumbo since 2005 and I've just been out of that game for too long yeah. like, it doesn't the numbers didn't really make sense yeah. to me and yeah. Um, yeah either I gotta like wrap my head around it save up towards it
0: also the commute and stuff right like if you're working at home i guess i could yeah exactly
1: i was like i want to go i want to be home so so i think i'm going to make this work and again like when you're working your body is just like wherever it is on top of whatever you're doing you need a massive studio when you're making a show or preparing an exhibition but like the fact that i have it i just think you know if i'm able to finish something so it's safe to transport it feel like it can work this way and then I bring it up so everything ships from out there gets photographed up there I can see it come together up there but down here I just yeah your body can't I don't have the bandwidth for another project right now anyway so
0: yeah that's not well the images of that upstate because you know there's there's articles like you've it's been featured I mean they look it looks amazing I mean that kind of space you know to to be able to to work in a space like that and have that air and it just seems to be like a really conducive to the kind of stuff you do.
1: Totally. It's a great, yeah, it's like, it was a great space. It's a good, it was a good use of, you know, it was a good thing to do. Like every time I go up there, it's like a gift, you know, like you, it was really hard to, to do it and to figure it out and we didn't really have like, Someone that we knew personally that sort of did it first, so we were really um, going in. Really, we were going up to (laughs) Rite Aids, touching Rite Aids, getting our tape measure out, being like, "Is this high? What is this material? What's this? You know." So it was, yeah. But I'm, I'm, you know, glad that we did it
0: for sure. And then uh, the show in London. Oh wait, it's London, right? Yeah. How was that?
1: It was interesting. it was really um it was really good. I was uh a couple things I guess i it was the first time I'd gone to an opening without Garth, which is ridiculous to say, but like we just have always done yeah. that and it was so that was kind of interesting. I feel like this was a year where I felt very like grown up in a lot of ways, and there was something about going to another city and hanging out with strangers and connecting over like objects that you made, which is of course what we've all been doing for years. There was something i somehow sensed it so differently this time. And it just felt so acute and so special. And like, it felt like so weird, you know, like I hung out with like 20 women, most of whom I didn't know. And it was very intimate because like the work had like done a lot of the work for us. So we were already kind of like close and that's so beautiful that like art does that. I mean, what a weird way to live and connect with people. And like, I don't know. It made me like really um like happy about that. Like happy that we that I get to like engage in the world in such a strange yeah. way, you yeah. know? Um, it is different. And I watched the Judy Bloom documentary on the plane over and she was like you know, I'm not, I'm, it's not Judy Bloom level, but like she would like, you know, all these kids would write her, and she would have all these interactions with people, and I was like, it made me feel like I wanted to like touch the world in a open way, you know, and not be so like I got mine and it's it's over here and it's all closed up and you know, like I don't know that, um, yeah, and then the show was like much more immersive than it's ever been before. I was sort of coming off of you know, redoing our place in the city, which I wouldn't, you know, didn't really think of as a thing when I was doing it. But after I did it, I was kind of like, oh, there's something here, something about it being so complete that, like, I want to take in the shows moving forward. Um, But I wanted to also have it be more conflicting. So there was a lot of, like, contrasting prints and eras, and it could have totally not worked. There was a lot of, a lot of, like... um, Leap of faith in it, even though, of course, I had things in the studio and I was mapping things out. There was a certain point at which I wasn't 100% sure, and I was really, I felt really happy with how it came together. Um, yeah. yeah, the
0: images were there's something about intent. I mean, there's a lot going on, but yeah, it still felt like there was room to breathe in it, too.
1: It was peaceful, like the space, you didn't want to run out of it. Yeah. You know, it was like there was something okay about it, and I think. Part of it is that it's all going through my hand, like, um, all of it, like the wallpaper, the flooring, the, you know, everything that's painted on something and there's a, and then this kind of formal games connects, winds up connecting these stuff that should never be together, yeah. you know, like the formal, like always still looking for like the way a grid would connect to another grid. And, and you know, you had these sort of jumps that helped things move through, um, yeah. And it was different to have the furniture. Like, people... It just really changed the way that people engaged with the show, which, you know, you make things based on ideas. You don't necessarily think about where they're going to land you. Right. And then when I went there, I was like, oh, this is, like, really a different show. Um, and, yeah, like, people didn't have those, like, you know, those bitchy art faces where they're all, like... What do you think? Who do you think right. you are? Like they were all kind of like nice faces, and I was like, "What's this?" It just sort of it broke down some of the um, intensity, and I think even just having your body sit for a minute or talk to someone next to you, like it changes the way that you're engaging with the work. Um, so that was kind of interesting, Unex- unexpected. Yeah. Um,
0: it's like an invitation for them to. You're, they're entering the work in a way that is disarming, probably because.
1: Yeah, you're there was something disarming about you it. You know,
0: without it being like, yeah, you know, a Terrell piece where you're in the dark and you can't see anything and you're you're engaged that way. This is more yeah. of a comfort sort of like, here, come look at this, be part of this. A little more welcome. Yeah,
1: and it reminds you of like how your body moves in your normal day rhythm. So you like kind of start feeling like that, yeah. which is different. That's not how you feel in the gallery. Really. You know, you're normally pretty tight. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: So that's yeah. No, it that felt was a good, good experience. I mean, I'm right? still
1: yeah. It was, it was, and it's nice to have long relationships with galleries and like, you know, feel. I felt really supported by a lot of strange people, and it was really nice to feel that. And I really, um, you know, was supported by my kids. It was like strange. I never, I never felt supported <laughs> by them before, so that was uh, interesting. Yeah and supported by you know the tech at the gallery when we had to rewire all my um I had to wire everything for the UK and it's just like difficult because I hadn't done that before Mm -hmm. and I couldn't test it properly and this it's just everything's slightly different and I just felt like everybody kind of like we were all, like, up for it, you know? And I was like, oh, forget it. We don't need... You know, we did good. Everything made it. Forget the chandelier. And the guy was all, no, like, you know, like, we're not going to forget... It. Like, let's do it. And so that I just... All of it. It was a really... Um, yeah, I felt good about people. And we spend all of our time, like, alone. So it was a... Uh, I don't work with people. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a good sort of moment to work with
0: people yeah a nice post-pandemic that can actually do that you know yeah wait for a little
1: yeah yeah i barely noticed but yes (laughs) (laughs) um
0: so what's what you uh, do you take a break now or do you have things coming up
1: yeah i take a break and i get to do like some Weird stuff. I wanna learn about like upholstery and fountains and water stuff and um what else do I want to learn about? More about wallpaper to figure out like repeats and kind of understand it a little yeah. bit. Um I wanna learn about rugs. I want like rugs to exist in it. Uh yeah, so a little bit more like research and then like um, play like I always like do a little for myself after doing that kind of thing and it winds up like coming back into the work but like doing I don't know what are some of the yeah like I want to make a butter dish you know like solve some of my personal problems let it seep
0: in that seems like a good organic way you know
1: yeah it's always good to like try to find the place where there's no have to involved in it and no like judgment and that That just that sense of play. I mean, that's part of like, I've always like let there be time to do that, and it's always sort of come in back into the work in a more rigorous way, in a on a different day, you know. But like, I think it's important to still let yourself be like, oh, I'm not doing this for anybody, you know. Like, I'm just I need to make a chair that's upholstered because I want a comfortable chair, and then the you know, and then see, yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
0: it's like letting art and life merge. Because it does merge, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean I never really did it. It wasn't how I lived in the other years, but yeah, now for sure. Yeah. It's definitely merged. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, um, congrats on the show. It was really nice talking to you. Thanks.
1: You Thank too. You. Thanks for sure. having
0: me. Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast by checking it out online at soundivisionpodcast.com or images on Instagram at Podcast. You can find out more about my work at brianalford.net or at Alfred Studio on Instagram. Many thanks to Francesca for taking the time to speak. Make sure you check out her work. Also, many thanks to Golden Artist Colors and Fulcrum Coffee Roasters for their long-withstanding sponsorship of the podcast you can really help the podcast by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast or sharing and telling a friend. It's really how the world gets around on the podcast to people who are interested in artists and their stories. we got some great episodes coming up, so make sure you stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening.